Hello and welcome to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long. We upload a new episode every Friday where I talk to a pop star, an indie star, occasionally a soap star, about something secret that excites them. You can follow us on Twitter at Talk The Line. You can follow me at Jen Long. And please do give us a tweet. Get in touch. It is nice to know you're out there. You could be the ET to my Mulder. And if you really like us, please do us a favour and subscribe. Stuart Murdoch is the founder of legendary Bell and Sebastian, one of the most successful bands to come out of Scotland in the last three decades. He put the band together 21 years ago in Glasgow after a long period bedridden due to chronic fatigue syndrome. Unable to work for seven years, he describes that time as a massive vacuum where he couldn't do anything but read books, listen to music and watch movies. Bell and Sebastian have achieved massive success across the world, releasing nine studio albums and becoming one of the defining bands of the independent music scene. And this year they dropped three EPs under the title How to Solve Our Human Problems. Spirituality and religion have been reoccurring themes in Stuart's lyrics and today I'm talking to him about one of the grandest themes we've ever tackled on Talk the Line. The human condition. Well, it took us a little while to figure it out. Yeah, what's, who thought up the subject? I thought you did. Oh, what, what, what is the subject? The human condition, I was told. I never th- that's weird. Well, I, I just, I, somebody said, I never thought it up. No, somebody just said, the, uh, it must have been Jess, maybe. Oh, wow. Oh, but that's, that's, that's okay. Is but that I, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, she just said, um, oh, okay, uh, you're doing a podcast. How, uh, on the human condition, and I said, yeah, that's okay. Well, I mean, you can change it if you'd rather, we can talk about I think, no, anything. I, th- I think that's okay. I think it's okay, especially since, I think it's almost better that that title just seems to have come from somewhere, because if either of us su- had suggested it, it might sound a bit pretentious or something. We'll just blame Jess. Yeah. Jess bloody Lord. <laughs> yeah. We, we can do 45 mins on the human condition, right? We can easy. wing it. Easy. Easy. I mean, we're human. Exactly. For a start, we have, Minds, the fact that we're even thinking right now, therefore means that we are. We are. <laughs> we think therefore we are. It's a lousy phrase though, I've always disliked that phrase, the human condition. Oh right, um, yeah. I, you know, I saw, I saw it came up as a title, I just assumed it was, it was you guys that came up with it, but um, it's, it's, it's nice though, it's a gateway into talking about kind of, you know, just interesting stuff as you pointed out we're all human beings and um or humans is my wee boy <laughs> is that a human is that a human um but yeah there's just something about that the human condition there's something about that that seems innately um ungrateful yeah it's almost like if you say if you talk about the human condition you're like someone put it here we didn't ask for it <laughs> We, gotta, we just got to put up with this shit. It's kind of like when your parents take you on holiday to somewhere and you're just stuck there for like two weeks. And you're like, I don't know why I'm here. I didn't have a choice in it. And sometimes I'm not enjoying it. That's the human condition. That is the human condition. Except <laughs> three score years and ten <laughs> expanded out. So, I mean, how, do you, how would you define it? Because I've, I've tried to research this over the past couple of hours and it seems like every school of thought has a different take on what the the kind of human condition quote unquote title does mean 
sort of from a philosophy point of view it's one thing from a physical point of view it's something else from a religious point of view depending upon what religion you are it's something completely different so i mean how would you define it if we were well we are talking about it yeah now. well well um not having put any thought into whatsoever and and actually not not loving the the phrase itself um i'm not much of a, i'm not much of a philosopher and I don't know if I'm one for original thought, but I have been getting into a little bit of Buddhism recently. Okay. And they're pretty decisive about what, you know, what we're here for. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty sure about it. And um, it's been quite interesting to me. There, there's been, there's aspects of, of what they've been talking about that's, that's interested me vastly and it's really hooked me. The actual core is, you know, it's, it's maybe not, so, I'm not so sure about, but um, they claim that our lives have, um, you know, they're into re the whole reincarnation thing, that life has been going on forever and that we have been just going back, going back endless time, endless reiterations of, of ourselves in different forms and things like that and um, they, uh, they claim our uh, the whole point of existing is to get over our human suffering um, our human problems that is to vanquish suffering for all beings for all time that's the project that's the whole thing I mean that sounds like quite a good religion compared to some of the others? Um, I think... Is that a loaded question? No, you I don't want to slag off no, the no, other religions? I think it's a good one. I think it's a good... From what I can see so far, yeah. the, the Buddhists are cool. They're so done. are there gods in Buddhism? Or? There's not. They don't... That's the thing. That's the whole picture. Yeah. That's as far... I mean, I'm no expert, but that <laughs> seems to be the parameters. And they don't, they don't really want to go so much further. That's the whole ballpark. Um, when, even when they ask Buddha himself, so what happens after that? What happens when the project is complete? What happens even when, as individuals, we, we, we make it to enlightenment, which is what we should all be trying to do mm. uh, for the good of ourselves and for the good of everybody else. We should all try to become enlightened. And, and, and Buddha said, don't go there. You've got enough on your plate. Don't right. ask about afterwards. And so with them, it, it, these are the parameters. I've never pushed any of the monks or the nuns on this point. Have you met many? Monks and nuns? Yeah. Well, they're the ones that do the teaching. Oh, so you actually go and learn this. Isn't it? You haven't just been yeah, like yeah, reading yeah. books. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, 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 you know, our, our, I mean, it is, it's, it's joined up because the, and it's worth talking about even in respect to the, the records that we've just produced because um, the title of the, the project is How to Solve Our Human Problems and that's the title of the, um, one of the texts that they're always quoting from and are always reading from and, and it just seems, you know, I was there a lot and they were always lifting this book up and saying, let's open it page 42 from How to Solve Our Human Problems and, and, and so that, that became the name of the record. What, what are the solutions? Is it like a 12-step program? There, in, in, in Buddhism, there's like four-step programs, 
eight-step program, nine-step program, twelve, depending on which scriptures you read and what stage you're at. Okay. There's quite a few different step programs. <laughs> all of them, all of them, seemingly straightforward, but at the same time, a lifetime's work. Right. Hard, serious. You know, work dedication. I mean, what what is it? Do you have to give away your lifetime possessions? Do you have to be really nice to other people? Do it, it, not it eat animals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff depends right. how far, how deep you want to get it, get into it. Okay. Depends where you want to, just you know. Dip your toe in, or, you know, go all the way. I mean, there's different. I think according to the. Buddhism. I'm just getting a feel. I'm I'm just rocking and rolling here. By the way, I'm the I'm no expert, but I get the feeling that if you like, you can you can go all the way and become a monk or a nun, and that you take some serious vows. You know, never to hurt anything, and always you know, obviously just to be vegan, mm. and to try and back away from worldly things, including you know, sex and all you know, and and watching TV and wasting time in any. Anyway, you can't have sex. Um, I think the monks and nuns are are pretty much dedicated to. Because that seems because that seems like a you know like how like if you're devoted to God then you've devoted your life to God in some religions and then the monks and, and nuns don't have priests don't have sex because they're devoted to God. But then in Buddhism, I don't understand why you wouldn't because you're not hurting anyone by having consensual sex. Surely that's something that could make you even more enlightened. There's probably some school of thought that, that might be like that, but yeah. again, there's a there's a there's a real there's something right at the core there that they're actually. They're, they're, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be qualified to 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 explain really, but that they are trying to, they're, they're trying to back away from desires and, um, right. interruptions from their main task, which is to become enlightened. Um, I I can see after being around them for a while, they you know they. They're serious and they're sincere people, and they're super nice. The the people I know, yeah, and I, I kind of admire, you know, I, 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 mean, I, I admire the, the definitely, uh, and then they are, you know, really nice. Some of the nicest people I've I've met all the way around. Wouldn't hurt a fly. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They one time, they <laughs> were saying that one of their, they were somewhere warm and there was a mosquito landed on one of the monk's arms, and. Um, the, the girl said, yeah, you, some you, mosquitoes on you. And he just looked and said, well, it's just it's okay. He's just having his lunch. So they, they wouldn't hurt a mosquito. And six weeks later, he was taken ill with malaria. Malaria, well, that's the breaks. <laughs> it's just a, another hurdle to be overcome. Have you, see, have you ever seen that um, Moe's Law's Triangle? Oh, it's called something like that. It's some part of like philosophy theory that there's a triangle of your needs and it's it buddhism reminds me a bit of that where at the top you reach like um self-actualization so you have like the base need is like your physiological needs so like your need for like water and food and sleep and then the next one is like safety yeah yeah so you know you're trying to find somewhere that you can no, no, I'm just, I'm going to carry on, I'm going to show you Google, something. yeah. Um, or, yeah, pull up something on your phone. Uh-huh. And then it's something like, um, it's like, like love or intimacy and acceptance in your friendship groups, and it goes up and up and up. And once you have all those sorted, then you are 
on the road to self-actualization where you realize that you're actually all right and you can achieve lots of stuff and it's that idea that you can once all all those bottom layers of the triangle are built the top layer is you kind of going off and trying to achieve things and be that you know physical or mental learning creating that's like the the peak of the triangle but i guess it's the idea that you can't really you can't really focus your energies on what you could be before you've built those bases on what you need to to be a functioning person um the reason I'm being so rude and looking up something while you're talking, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening, is because um, that triangle you're talking about yeah. was very um, pre- prevalent in, in my life for a while. Really? Yeah, it was super prevalent. Be- and it became this, it, almost like this symbol for uh, a film I made. I, was only, I only ever made one film. And it was a few years ago, and it was called God Help the Girl. And it was a musical. And it was about you know, a girl who had you know, kind of problems, some mental problems, emotional problems, that sort of thing. And um, she worked her way out of it by writing songs and kind of, you know, just evolving during the summer with some help from her friends and things. But she started off uh, in, um, so the, the film starts off when she's in a, a hospital ward, a kind of, you know, mental ward, and she's anorexic. Um, and the, the doctor comes in and uses, draws, the tri- draws that triangle that you're talking about, draws it on a, on a blackboard and explains that, you know, she seems to be aiming for further up when she should really just be focusing on the simple things like eating. Yeah. Obviously, for, for instance. Uh, but, um, you know, like you say, the phys- physiological things and then going on to just things like family and friendship and you know pretty simple things before you get on to art and music and higher stuff because if you it well as the as the doctor said you know if you if you don't if you don't get the bottom layers everything's just going to collapse in on itself yeah and um and that that actual instant was uh the pretty much the, the exact same thing happened to me like 20 years before myself i was in you know, a hospital ward and a, and, and, and a, a nurse, um, it's actually a male nurse, he, he drew the same triangle for me. No way. Yeah. What, what, why were you in hospital? Well, I was in, I, I mean, um, I, I was, I'd lost a lot of weight at the time. There was complications through, uh, I had chronic fatigue. I'd had it for a year and I got really, really unwell with it. I've actually been, you know, over the years, I've been struggling with that still, you know, ME, that sort of thing. Right, yeah. But it had manifested itself at that critical point. I'd, I was super underweight. It was trying to, I was trying to get better by following these diets. It was, wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, I ended up in a, in the, you know, in, the, in a mental ward and, um, because they didn't know what else to do with me. And, uh, but, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, and, um, once they kind of, once I got in there and I was, I was, I, I realized that, you, you know, I just needed rehabilitation or something, you know, yeah. and it was pretty simple. And that, that diagram actually meant a lot to me. It, it, it was really, at the time, I just needed somebody to say something really simple mm. about life. Because I was trying to work out what was, 
going wrong with me because nobody could tell me. Mm. And, and then this person said, well, it doesn't m matter. The, all, the, all you have to do is you have to look after, you have to get these things, simple things done first before we can work out what's happening. It's quite a kind of a modern Western way of dealing with the world around us, isn't it? It's almost like making yourself a checklist. It's a, a little bit like that. You're kind of um, like, this is what I need first. And when you tick that, you go on to the next task. And you tick that, and you go on to the next task. Yeah. And then you reach nirvana. Well, maybe not quite nirvana. <laughs> I think it's maybe a bit more complex. I remember Eve, the girl in the story, she used mm. to remember she had this up on the wall. And she was uh, in her little room and reflecting on it. And she could see that she could still see it there when it, the room was dark at night and stuff like that. But she wondered what, well, what was on the outside of the triangle. She had this feeling that she was starting to get these spiritual awakenings that um, for the first time that there was something more than just life, um, you know, whether it was God or something else. So, uh, I feel bad that I've not seen this film now. I feel like I should have known this nugget of information coming into the chat. I think it, I saw you, you did a tour around, you released that, the soundtrack as an album. Uh-huh. And you did a tour, and I think I saw you on that tour. Oh, right, okay. But I don't, I didn't, didn't well, see that, the film. But either way, it was nice that it sort of come up and... Is it on know. any streaming platforms where I I'm might sure be able it to is. watch it? I'm sure it is. Okay. You know, I haven't thought about it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a philosophy that you live your life by then? Is it Buddhism now? Um, no, well, I'm... I, I, you know, I've been going to church for, I, I go to church, you know, so in the, essence... What sort of church? Well, just a church in Scotland, just kind of proddy Christian. Okay, yeah. Um, Do they mind you going and being a Buddhist as well? <laughs> Is that like against the I rules? Think, I don't think so, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so, and I wouldn't really, I don't really care. Yeah. And, and vice versa. Um, because I think when I stumbled into the church at first, I was a bit of an unusual subject for them. And uh, So this isn't something that you grew up with, this is something that you discovered? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I did a bit of that, like lots of people do, yeah. you know, when they're young, they go to Sunday school. I was in the church choir. There you go. Used to get paid like three pound for weddings. A stipend? Earner. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> nice one. No, that's, that's a bonus. So everybody's, you know, lots of people have that background. Of yeah. course, they drift away as soon as they're teenagers or something or later. But I f found myself drifting back and it, I was looking for something. You know, I felt this, um, I felt there must be something else. I just, I just looked around and thought, this, wait a minute, life is weird. There's something going on. And, um, and I went into the, the, it just so happened that I stumbled into the, the church. Um, and I found it quite welcoming. I mean, it took them, it took them quite a while to get used to me mm. being, you know, this, this kind of weird, scruffy... Were you in the band at the time? No, no, it was before the group. Yeah. It was before the group, but it all kind of, you know, all fused together. Um, um, Is this when you lived in your flat with the yeah, records well, in the shower? Well, no, no, this was after that. Oh, okay. But it had to do with living accommodation because, yeah, I went in there. Well, for the first thing that happened was the minister sort of grabbed me and we were chatting for two minutes right. and I mentioned something about music or, you know, because I just started writing songs at that point. And he said, okay, you should come and meet the choir. 
just, there you go. And I think his plan was like this, you know, this is a f loose cannon here, free radical. <laughs> yeah. if, we, if, we, if we don't attach him right now, he's not going to come back. So they put me in the choir and I was there. I'm still in the choir like 25 years later. In the same church? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. Yeah, it's so, uh, and funnily enough, we, got a, we used to get a stipend. They stopped it now. We used to get a quarterly stipend, which is, I mean, it was unreal to me because I was poor. And I remember getting 25 quid in my hand and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> well, I did was sing well, a bit. Yeah, all yeah. I did was show up. Sorry, did you want a water at all? Are you um, okay? Do you know, I wouldn't mind if it's, if it's close at hand. Yeah, Sorry. there's a kitchen remember. just out there. Oh, that'd be great. Um, but... Um, so I saw you eyeing that as I was... No, I just... Yeah, uh, I guess you've got to get that first triangle base, you know. Absolutely, uh, but the so I'd been there for a couple of years, and I think I'd been moving around flats a lot. Mm. Um, I don't know why, and the minister said, "Well, the old guy's retiring. The guy who looks after the church. Why don't you take over and you go and live in the church in the flat?" Oh. And and he said, "You're like a caretaker." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and that w was just at the time that the band was starting. Right. Right at that time. And so it kind of became synonymous when I moved into the, the church hall. Mm. And then we used to, the fledgling band rehearsed in there in the, the echoey church hall with the, you know, with the old clanky piano. And That's amazing. Yeah. So you had like a free practice space. Yeah, we just had this, you know, we had this, yep. So, and it kind of went, so that went hand in hand. Well, that's nice as well that you didn't just sort of, as, as your career then progressed, kind of sack it off a bit. It's nice that you still go back. It must well, have meant quite a lot I was still, you. I mean, I, I still did the, the caretaker's job for the first five years of the, first five or six years of the band going. Um, that kind of thing where you, I wasn't quite sure if I really wanted the, the, the band to be my job. Mm. Um, partly because I felt that if it was your job, what, what would you write songs about? Yeah, that is a struggle for some people, I think. Yeah. Do you use a lot of the kind of like understanding of the spiritual world for your music? Um, I, I think feel like your songs are usually just like about girls. Uh, well, that's, there's been, yeah, there's been a few complaints and uh, <laughs> thanks very much. Um, no, I definitely think it's a, a growing theme and it's, it has been there. I, I would, you know, when I look back at the songs, especially this, the older songs that I still, we still sing, mm. they're, they're pretty close to being prayers, you know, they're, they're, they're often heavily spiritual, to me anyway. There's yeah. a spiritual aspect to them, and it's maybe fun for me to know that, and that's what makes it them have a, a, a shelf life. Um, so, so maybe maybe you think I'm singing to girls all the time. I'm actually, I'm maybe I'm um, petitioning a higher power. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the beauty of uh, good music, isn't it? You can plug open, your own interpretation in. Open to interpretation. Seriously, that's good. Yes. You know, it's good. And I also, you know, I, I just, I do sometimes wonder, I, I just feel Tony Benn, the, you know, the Labour politician, mm. he, he used to talk about the privilege of faith. Um, like he just never had it. 
he just never got given it or he was, that door was never open to him but he knew that like his friends and colleagues and some of them went to church or some of them did this and 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 I feel that as well I, I, I feel lucky just to have this kind of other dimension um, going on that, that colors colors life and makes things interesting more interesting I suppose that's the, the thing the nice thing about having faith is, and, and certainly the thing, like, I'm, you know, I was brought up, uh, I guess, like, Church of England, I suppose. And, you know, knowing that when you die, you go to heaven and you see your hamster again. And that's a very comforting, very nice thing. And then as you grow older and you start to question the things that you've been brought up with and you start to question whether there is a God and whether there is a heaven and hell and, you know, what it all means and all these huge questions that sort of flood your head generally when you're hungover, I find. Um, and it is quite a daunting prospect that when you die, there's nothing after that. That's just it. And it, sometimes it, like, really spins me out thinking about it where it's like well the you the fact that when the when people that you love die you never get to see them again and that when you die that is just like black a black curtain and then there's nothing behind it and it almost makes me want to be more religious and believe in a heaven and hell and a god just so that there's just a little more hope because that's that is part of the human condition right the knowledge that we're all going to die one day. That's the only thing that's certain. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'm afraid so. And um, but, and I think for a lot of people it does freak them out. And it would be nice if it didn't. You yeah. know, it would be. I mean, the Buddhists are just they are not scared. You know, they sometimes they get up and say, you know, you know, live live your life as it well they, I mean there's always these parallels and that the, you know Jesus would say live every day as if it was your last the Buddhists just come and say you might die today this could be your last day on earth but then you're going to come back well it, yes they're very concerned about how you come back oh, and right because and, and so there is a um you know, they would like you to try a little bit harder or, or you know, be a good person. So is... is yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Is, is human, like, the peak reincarnation? According to the Buddhists, it's not. We're somewhere in the middle between heaven and hell. Oh. But um, the human condition for them, the condition that humans find themselves in, is very handy because it's a great step stone to this great thing, enlightenment, the place that they want to go because there is this mixture of joy and suffering. Um, there, there's always suffering. Everyone suffers. Everybody has, you know, even, even the happiest people, they still have problems. You know, the, and look around you, there is always suffering. Um, but if there wasn't that, suffering there would be no impetus to learn to feel compassion mm. uh, for the plight of other people there simply wouldn't I, if you think about it if you were just happy all the time it would be really hard for you to get down with with people around about who have got problems yeah like if you've never experienced any 
pain or upset or you just wouldn't have an, a, a level of base a base level of understanding for that yeah you would lack empathy you absolutely would would lack empathy but um so it's interesting stuff that those paths that you talked about beforehand the, the book that the how to solve our human problems that we took the title from is an uh, is like an adaptation or it's like a it's a modern uh, representation of what the Buddhists call the Four Noble Truths, which was Buddha's um, great realization about life. That um, the first one being that we all suffer. I mean, we he didn't he was born like a, a prince in very good conditions, and it wasn't until he went outside his his palace in two and a half thousand years ago that he he realized that everybody was in a in a bad way, people were really poor, people were sick, people, people were, uh, everybody was gonna die. God, so. I do wonder, like, what's it like right now to be Prince George? <laughs> to be like going to school for the first time and meeting, meeting other people outside of your palace walls, your palace, I mean, they're all probably quite well off kids to be going to that school. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not like he's going to the- I, I don't know like, if he's gonna go and find like, <laughs> Starving, emaciated Africans. Or no, <laughs> I just wonder what is it like to lead like a super sheltered life. I don't. know, Maybe he doesn't need. To, maybe they what make him watch the news every day. Yeah. But it must be strange, mustn't it, to have a, a kind of awakening moment? Like you do, kind of feel that with the royal family, like um, like with uh, William and Harry. Recently, they seem to have come out so much more, and they're out like raising money for charity yeah. and raising awareness for things and doing all this like good work. And you just wonder what was the, the moment where they kind of realized, it must be so strange being born into a, a world as a prince. Absolutely. But the same goes, come on, the same goes for all of us. We're, we're rich in this oh, yeah. country. And, and I was thinking today, what's the difference between me and the guy that's asking me for money? This morning, there's just a bit of luck, yeah. and uh, you know, some would say the grace of God. It's just a little bit of luck is is the only difference between me and you know this person. You know, politicians and powerful people and Republicans and right wing people talk about making it themselves, and everybody has the everybody starts on a level playing field, and you, you know everybody has this chance, the American dream, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, increasingly the, the British dream, you know, the, but they don't, they're not born in a level playing field at all. The, 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 the people that are rich now are mostly the people who had rich parents and were born in extremely good conditions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and the Buddhists would pity them because how the hell would they know how the other half lives, you know? Yeah, I suppose it's that, it is that, I guess that is part of the human condition as well, these like conflicting emotions that we have where it's like you're really happy when something good goes your way but then you have this inert guilt that there's other people who aren't quite, who don't have the same privilege or haven't had the same breaks as you, don't have the same luck. And then you have that like paralyzing like, well, do I, should I celebrate this or should I like be a bit more humble and play it down and be a bit embarrassed almost? So maybe that's quite a British thing to be yeah. like embarrassed by your success where you're like, oh, I've, I've got this great job, but 
you know, like you never tell anyone how much you earn when you have that great job because you're like, Oof, I know my friends aren't quite there yet and I don't, I'm a bit embarrassed, a bit embarrassed about it. There's a great line in, uh, it's either Annie Hall or Manhattan. It's one of the two Woody Allen films where, well, he's, you know, he's often playing the, the same character, just playing himself. But, yeah. um, and, and he is confronting that same feeling and uh, that, he, you know, he's, he's whining away, but he, he's, and she says, well, why can't you just have a good time? Why can't you just learn to enjoy yourself? And he says, well, how can I enjoy myself? You know, there's always somebody, you know, starving and it's, you know, if, and uh, if, if I know that somebody is not eating a steak dinner tonight, it puts a real crimp in my evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that phrase, it puts a crimp in my evening. So he's taking it to extreme, but I think he's, you know, he, he hits the nail on the head a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a balance though, you know, there's, there's, there's a balance. What do you do to try and balance out your life then? Because you're obviously, you know, you've had a very successful career, you seem quite happy, you're wearing some lovely trousers. Um, yeah, well, the, um, well, one I would say appearances are deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, but it's true, you never know, you never know when you meet somebody, you know, they seem to, somebody might be appearing to be an arsehole or somebody might be appearing to be this really obnoxious person, but you don't know about their life and you, you have to be, you have to try to be empathetic to their conditions because they, their wife might have just had a stroke or somebody might have died or, you know, they, they might be having a, a really terrible time no matter how kind of well off they seem on the, on the surface. Um, but uh, you asked me how... Well, I don't know. I, I, sorry, I didn't want to assume that you were having a great time. Yeah, no, well... Well, um, no, well uh, but you know, well, like sometimes when you, when, you, when you do want to just make yourself feel a little bit more balanced in that respect, where you are like, I know that I've, you know, had some good luck here. And so you kind of sign up to donate like five pound a month to a charity or something, because yeah. you're like, oh, I just need to like kind of I don't even know what the word is, but just make myself feel a little bit better. But that's that's okay, you know. It's yeah. that's genuinely a good thing. I, I think it's so sort of like middle class guilt for me. I think. Well, get over yourself. <laughs> no, just you know, get over yourself because that's. I I think it's good. Um, like I. You know, I was messing around trying to get this record finished. I was stressed out with the, you know, all the things, you know, artwork and all the things. I enjoy it, you know, but mm. I still moan about it. And um, and somebody asked me to to phone this woman who had um, who had Emmys, somebody they knew, and said maybe I could phone her up and give her some advice, and since I'm such a veteran of, <laughs> and it's such a, a network. Anyway, I just phoned her up out of the blue and I think I caught her at a funny moment in her day. Her, her, she just managed to get her son back to school and she was really quite low and like, you know, just struggling with the whole thing and trying to work out what to do next. And so we, you know, we chatted, we were on the phone for about an hour and a half and I was just chatting her through various options that she could try. I just caught her at the right time and, and I think I put her onto a few different things. So I knew that she felt good, felt a lot better after the call and I felt much better and I was thinking afterwards, I want to do that for a job. I want to just call people up and make them feel better, you know, <laughs> I don't care what it is, you know, um, 
rather than you know this this whole thing about what format to best release the record and who cares yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's good. i mean seriously it's like we're 20 years in and the band we do sit down and talk about this there's no rule it's not a pension plan you know we, we you don't just churn out another record for the sake of churning it out mm. we want to be useful yeah if you can't be useful in your life then what are you what are you doing well what do you think you would want to do outside of the band what would you uh what would be your other career your kind of other if you were like reincarnated if you got hit by a bus <laughs> on the way out of here and you died to died tomorrow <laughs> hopefully not what would you want to come back as? well i used to i mean that's just to take a little sidestep back in time because i had energy issues for so many years and, and still do I, I used to be pretty much in awe of of anybody that did a normal could do a normal job and so i used to fantasize about what you just asked me about like you know i'd, I'd be i'd like to drive a train for instance you know just be a, a regular guy that got up and did a shift yeah and you know, like drove a train or something, and then went back home. Maybe raised a couple of kids. And I used to be in awe of that kind of stuff. Mm. I'm, I think that maybe that's not quite what you're asking me now. But um, I thought for a while that I thought for a while that I could be some be a healer, like be a you know like a like few years. Like an osteopath. Well, just that, like a healer, just like somebody who. I didn't really know what I was talking about. I just had this inclination, <laughs> and I used to just the way that you had your hands flat like uh -huh, that. I yeah, thought yeah. you were doing like massage. Well, it's kind of. I mean, that's what healers do. They do, except they don't even they don't even touch like you. A they just a spiritual healer. A spiritual healer. Right. I just felt that you know maybe with all my kind of background of of thinking about things, but actually do, not doing anything, that maybe I could <laughs> maybe I was like really you know just using empathy or something and maybe I could heal people and at the time I had this little office that I used to escape to to ostensibly write and I said to my wife do you know what if what if I could just be what if I could just use the office and be like a a healer just set myself up on the side and I was serious about it for a while and she said you can't just you've got to go some you've got to go and get a certificate or something before you can, you know, it's dodgy. You can't There's just, got to be a certificate for that. You can't just invite people up to a, an office and get them to take off their socks or whatever. Have you ever thought about like volunteering for, I don't know, like a, a, a helpline like Samaritans or someone like that? Yeah, well, I did last year. I thought I could manage um, to, yeah, I volunteered just to collect um, to drive a van around Glasgow and collect clothes for the church organisations, you know, for refugees and stuff like that. Um, I thought I could manage that. And then my health took another kind of dip. You know, I'm just trying to find things that I could, mm. something, you know, energy-wise. I, yeah, I pr probably could do the the, the helpline. In a, in a sense, though, um, not to make excuses, but I do, I do feel there's an aspect of that to the job that I do. Right, yeah, of and, course. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to elevate it, but that's what I'm talking about in being useful. I, in a sense, you can, it's okay to sort of give in to 
to those feelings and instead of just being a musician actually be a counsellor mm. you know even if you're not talking about it overtly just just trying to read the, the feeling you know because we get a lot of I get a lot of mail and a lot of people you know specifically about the ME thing mm. you know so now I'm really trying to address that and you know that because they're asking me then I think that's something I can be quite useful in doing and maybe becoming more of a spokesperson for uh, chronic fatigue and ME which I, I have done over the past couple of years which in the past I didn't want to talk about it because it's a little bit contentious and it's you know there's, there's a little bit of shit there but um, but you know I think probably that's I think when people ask me to do something now I'm like I'm like okay I'm really going to try and do this yeah I mean we've, we've kind of heard doing this podcast uh, recently like a couple of different musicians who maybe the subject's been a little more serious than uh, than comic books or the movie Interstellar and they've talked mm. about how uh, like because they've they've stood up for a certain cause or they've come out and said a certain thing they have they get a lot of fans coming to them with that problem or with those issues and kind of putting it on the musician whereas you know, you, you, you're, you're not trained to deal with people's problems in that sense. You're just coming at it from your own personal empathy and your own personal experience. And whether as a musician you find that a burden or you feel like a little bit swamped, like you might say the wrong thing or, or, or put the wrong foot forward in those relationships. I don't know how whether you kind of welcome it or whether sometimes it becomes a bit much. You know where the line is, but to uh, I don't know, just as you get older you just feel like if you have the energy and capability to do something that might help someone, I'm not trying to sound like Bob Geldof here or something, but you do it, you yeah. do it. It's good to feel useful if you can do it. And that thing you said about not being qualified, nobody's really qualified. I'm, quali I'm the only person that's qualified to sing in Bell and Sebastian, you know. When we get up night after night, you know, play to big crowds and in a sense you're, you're in a unique position and you're hosting these people and you're you know you're, you're putting them at ease and nobody else could do that and so musicians and people in that situation they, they shouldn't back down mm. it's quite it's valid for them they, they'll know themselves you, all you have to ask yourself and this comes up in the monks always say this if you're ever worried about what path to take or what you're doing in your life ask yourself what are your motives what is your motive right at this second um, and it's really useful because if you're thinking well I could do this because I could get ahead or I could do this or I could get some publicity or I could do this blah 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 and if it's any of these things then just don't do it but if your motives are genuine and then um, and that but that goes for everyone that goes for anybody you know, just in a domestic situation or you know, with you having an argument with your yeah. partner or anything, you know, what, what's your motives? It, it can, yeah, it can set you straight. How does doing your job and, and as you say, like going up on stage and playing to hundreds of people, sometimes even thousands, I'm sure, at festivals on a certain night, how does that run in line with Buddhism? Because I feel like that would be maybe somewhat disorientating when you're talking to the monks and they're like... Yeah, yeah, but they don't... Because, um, yeah, they wouldn't come to a concert. Um, I'd, I'd, one of the teachers 
was um, going back to the States and there was a chance he was going to be around when we played a concert and it's nice we met, we had a nice lunch but he, he you know, he, he was obviously didn't want to come to the show and of course I respect that because he's, you know, he, there's a difference between just being into Buddhism and being a, a monk where they're really not, they don't want to embrace those kind of distractions, yeah. which I completely respect. But I wrote to him and I wrote to somebody else. Actually, it's funny because just before the American tour, I wrote to my minister in the church and I wrote to the, the monk, the teacher from the Glasgow thing, and, and uh, individually, and I said, is there anything, sometimes I feel, you know, we're going to America, we're going to be playing to lots of people, and sometimes I feel I should try to at least engage them more in, in, in some useful thoughts or... Um, and the, the monk, he, he gave me quite a, you know, he came back to me and gave me quite a nice answer about it's fine that when you're, when you're there, just say what's in your heart. And in fact, you, you will make a connection there and it, it'll be useful. Um, he, said, he said it more eloquently and he, he put a little bit of Dharma, a little bit of Buddhist spin on it. Well, what's Dharma? Dharma is, is just Buddhist teaching. I was thinking of Greg and then. The. Do you remember Greg and Dharma? Oh no, I don't. That's oh, maybe like, just. When you said that, it took me back to the nineties. I see. I'm, I'm older, so it's. it's Dharma so and Greg. That was it. Was that way around. Right so Dharma's yeah. Dharma's teaching, but they also um, it means it it does literally mean protection, so that when you're receiving teaching, it becomes like a protection for you. Oh. Which is, which is amazing. It does work like that. So he, he said, you know, spread a little bit of Dharma. So when we played the, the Hollywood Bowl about in, in the summer. Oh, it's massive. That. It's massive, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like 20,000 people all the way up the hill. It's beautiful. Wow. And, you know, I was, I was trying to spread a little bit of Dharma. And then I just thought, let's just, let's just om. I said, everybody get up. And we all stood up and everybody... Um. <laughs> like at the end of a yoga class. Yeah, yeah. We just, I mean, that's very LA of you. It's pretty LA. I think it was a pretty safe bet <laughs> yeah. because it's like even if you weren't down with the, you know, the Buddhist, everybody knows how to om. Yeah. But it was nice. So that's an om is part of Buddhism, is it? Oh, uh, they, they 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 sometimes om. We don't om much in the the class, but you know, you do it at the end of a class, a yoga class. I stuff. love a good om. Yeah. I love the feeling of like everyone hitting that kind of same note and sustaining it, and you can feel the vibrations in your chest. All the way up the hill. And All the like way up. a big oh, wave. It's been magical. Yeah. So is karma also part of Buddhism? Karma's completely in there. That's the law. Karma's the law. <sighs> Cause and effect. Everything that you do has an effect. And I feel like I could be a bit of a Buddhist, because I, I kind of subscribe to karma. Every time I do something shitty, I'm like, oof. That is going to come back to get me. Karma feels very, very natural. Yeah. It's a big subject with them and, and you know, it's a huge subject. And, and the, you know, they feel that everything that we're suffering just now is, is, is our karma ripening from, from sometimes from previous lives, and, um, which is sometimes a little bit hard for people to accept. But um, that's the way they see things. Right, so if you're having a bit of a terrible time in this life, you might have been a bit of a terrible one in a previous. Sometimes I wonder who I murdered. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but then I'd probably, you know, if you did, you'd probably, you wouldn't come back as a human because it's very rare to be a human. Very, very rare. Does it know? also embrace inanimate objects or is it just living things? I think living things, yeah. Living and I'm not things. sure about you know, the, yeah. the, the plant or where it stops, you know, bugs. So it could, be, it could be like trees and I think shrubbery. it's definitely, definitely bugs and stuff like that. I'm right, not sure, okay. but the old shrubbery. God, where does a cat sit herbs. on scale? I feel like I'd love to be a cat in the next well, you life. Would, and then they always say, you know, it's fine wanting to be a cat or, a, you know, a pigeon or anything, an eagle and stuff like that. But the trouble is with being one of those guys is that they have no control over what they might do next. The we have a unique position. We're in control of our faculties and we can meditate and we can hope for better things. We can change our behaviour. We can, we have this thing called, we can have moral discipline if we want. Right, okay. That sounds a bit gloomy, moral no, discipline. No. But I don't know, though, sometimes I look into pancake size, it's my cat, and I just think, you know what's going on. <laughs> There's a little person in there. A little person. There's a little person in pancake. Fighting to get out. And she, she knows when she's been a dick. <laughs> <laughs> a big thank you to Stuart. You can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog. This has been Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long, produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. This is a podcast from the line of Best Fit. You can subscribe if you're really nice. You can follow us on Twitter. And if you are the best person ever, you can leave us a really nice review because that really does help people find this podcast. We upload a new episode every Friday. See you next week. <laughs>